Good morning and welcome to another Parenting Pathway podcast. This is Dave Carl. I am the children's and family pastor at Stonebrook Community Church. The children's part, perhaps is not surprising, it's children from birth to what is perhaps surprising, up through 12th grade. And the family part is and their parents. So that is the target audience of this podcast are those parents. Because um, I don't know if you've noticed lately, it's rough out there. Mm-hmm. So we today want to reach out to the, the young parents, um, the young non-parents, um, because they are part of the body of Christ, and things are very different for them than they were in my generation, and certainly from my father's generation. So um, that is our topic today, is Modern Expectations of Christianity. We want to um, discuss and investigate how the church, and not just Stonebrier Community Church, but the church, if not capital C, what's between capital C and lowercase C? Uh, the genitive the, the, the C. I'm so glad you're with us today, you're Nathan. Wow. <laughs> All right. The, the, the American church. Let's go with that. How we can best reach out, um, shepherd, provide um, a place of comfort and guidance to a, an audience that church leadership may not have a great beat on yet. Mm. So I would like us to solve all of that for the older generations and the younger generations and get it done in 32 minutes. Are we Are we ready, kids? No ready. problem. We're in. We're okay. <laughs> With me today, a reoccurring guest, because, well, he's so inexpensive, is Nathan Kosurek, who is our pastor of student ministries here, which here means junior high and high school, and has been doing youth ministry for, I have here, 112 years. Is that well, true? Well, uh, I mean dog years. Dog, okay. How long have you been in youth ministry? Uh, 20. 20 years. 20 years. You wow. don't look a day over Thanks. 20. I'll stop. I'll just okay. I'll stop you there. You just... You have to trust me on this. He's a he's a rugged, good-looking man. Grizzled, okay. yes. some would say. Yes. Um, and you have to give us one interesting fact, Nathan, about yourself. Well, I was a skater for wow. about 28 days. Back in... Was this career ended by an injury? No, I. it was ended in 1988 by an unsolved mystery. A crime was committed... In our apartments, where I grew up with my single mom, and just because I left my new fat skateboard... Not your fault. I can see this coming. Wasn't my fault. Just because I left it outside somewhere in the apartment complex does not give anyone the right to steal it. Barbarians. Barbarians. Who who in an apartment full of young boys would take know. someone else's new shiny skateboard? You think things are bad now. Things were rough. Back in 1988. 88. 88. 13. 88. The culture turned on that in that year. It went dark. Yep. But I'm pleased to know that it wasn't because of you broke a hip or something. No, not at all. In fact, I was well on my way to Tony Hawk status, if anyone in the audience knows who that is. I do, and you probably weren't, and, but this is what young men do. <laughs> we overinflate ourselves until, and old men until our joints no longer can, <laughs> you know, yeah, they tell us the truth before <laughs> our, we do ourselves. Um, also with us today is Miss Sarah McFarland. She's on staff here as, um, well, den mother 
for the guys in men's ministries? <laughs> That's is that is that the official title? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not. She is the ministry coordinator for equipping ministries, and parenthetically, that means den mother for the guys in men's <laughs> ministries. Um, she is, and I asked permission for this. She was gracious to to tell us that she is thirty one years old. Uh, making her the perfect demographic for our conversation mm-hmm. today. Sarah has earned a degree from the University of North Texas in literature and philosophy. Whoa. So Boom. Sh- Boom. we're just all going to sit here and gaze at her while she pontificates. Well, let me clarify. Okay, my clarifications. Major, my major was lit. My minor was philosophy, so don't get too impressed. Uh, gosh, I wish I had <laughs> known that before we started recording. <laughs> Well, I still have a lot of questions. Okay. <laughs> Even from a minor. Yes. <laughs> well, and we're, uh, sh- and she is just a delightful friend, and you are going to love hearing from mm. her. She is articulate and funny, and I don't want to get mm. the bar too high, but... Please, yeah, please don't. She Here is, we are. Yeah. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, no pressure at all. <laughs> and last but not least is Mrs. Julie McManus. She is also on staff here at the church. I, Again, because I can afford to bring in this panel <laughs> under those conditions. And um, she has a title that goes on for days, but uh, I'm going to summarize it as the, the, the ministry leader of the associate pastor, but she actually takes care of all of us here. She keeps us pastors organized and focused. She is also a dear friend who has a teenage daughter that is a sweet delight mm-hmm. every day of her life. Every day, every, all the time. <laughs> I hope you can hear Never the sarcasm. Back. Yes. Oh. Never disagree. What an incredible mother. And yeah. wow. And poor choosing on your part, but she is smart and yes. sassy. Witty, absolutely. And strong willed. Yes. And <laughs> and uh, has learned none of that from her father Jim. None of it. No. So <laughs> clearly. And uh, and she's married to Jim for Pete's sake. Let's yes. you know we all have things that we have to bear. So, <laughs> and Jim is a dear friend of mine as well. Um, uh, Julie has also earned a music education degree from Wheaton. So we might like jam out. Really? That's right. Watch out, baby. At any point, Not we will sing opera. Oh, I love oh. it. Opera. Opera. I was thinking like beatbox. That's what I just you know, said. I know. I'm like, I want to hear J Mac beatbox. So, J Mac. I have no skill on That's, that. That's, yeah, what's your uh, rapper name? Yeah, let's all do rapper names. J Mac. All right. Thank you, Julie, Sarah, Nathan, for being here with us today. Um, I want to set up the stage, so to speak, for this topic of modern expectations for Christianity. What I, the, the last thing that we want to do is um, elude that we're trying to figure out how to water anything down for a group mm-hmm. um, so that they will show up. Mm-hmm. That's, that is not at all what um, we're trying to accomplish today. Um, because of what we do and where we work and how we've learned here, um, some things are, are never open for, um, I was going to say discussion, but you can always discuss, never opened for um, shifting or um, moving their place, but biblical authority is unchallenged. Mm-hmm. That's right. We are not going to, to alter anything scripturally to accommodate anybody. Mm-hmm. We are supposed to accommodate the truth. Right. So, um, And our stated goal at Stonebrook Community Church is to love God and love others 
um, not to shame someone for being different mm -hmm. or doing things or so, so we are wanting to learn. I'm wanting to learn. You all know, you're the experts. That's why we flew mm -hmm. you in. Um, but I'm wanting to learn how to love this group better and perhaps how we can even help them think about how to receive love from us, mm -hmm. though it might be awkward at times and um, maybe even misguided on occasion, but we, we really want um, to welcome and uh, make them comfortable. And we just want to best introduce them to, to God and scripture and the freedom to abide in Christ. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's my goal today. Um, so let's kick this off. Um, and Sarah, you are our control group here. Okay. You are in this demographic mm -hmm. of this group. Let's start with you. And would you describe to us, to me, um, how your generation feels about God in church? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of distrust hmm. for church, um, theologically and socially, I feel. Um, you know, I feel like a lot of people in my generation have been taught, especially if you've been, if you've been to a public university, mm -hmm. um, you've been taught that truth is subjective except there's absolutely no God. That is one truth that's, for that's sure. subjective, yeah. for sure. So I feel like we, we definitely have been programmed in a way. Um, just that they're, you know, Christianity in particular right. is archaic, it's silly, it's fairy tales. Why even pursue that? Um, but humanism, like as they say, good without a God, humanism is the ultimate theology, which has no God. Um, so I feel that theologically we're, we're taught that there, you know, there's no point in even pursuing Christian theology because it's outdated. But then socially... I think Christianity is seen as a real threat socially mm -hmm. to what my generation holds dear as far as, you know, LGBTQ community, mm -hmm. women's rights, mm -hmm. um, you know, anti-racism. I feel like it's, it's pitted a lot. Christianity is pitted against the things that my generation really values. Mm -hmm. And that training probably didn't start in the university because mm -hmm. all of the public school teachers went to probably a public university right, right. and so these this this is this is why artists and mm -hmm. philosophers mm -hmm. uh, probably majors in, in philosophy mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. alter the next two generations mm -hmm. because it it disseminates down to the lowest levels mm -hmm. that are even in our commercials um, movies yeah. I mean these philosophies they, they gently show up mm -hmm. but so often, that it's unquestioned. It's just, mm -hmm. it's seen as obvious because right. I've been told there is no God mm -hmm. all my life or the Bible is, you know, silly or was written by a bunch of bearded old men mm -hmm. that are long gone and they don't know us, we're smarter than them. All of these things are what our culture is embracing. It is actually a religion. Mm -hmm. And so we have and that wasn't true so much, it was starting. It wasn't so much true as much for me. Now, I'm 59, and you're all going, wow, 59? I would have thought much younger, like 58, perhaps. But I'm, I'm 59, I'm a child of the 60s. And um, my generation, we said the Pledge of Allegiance, we prayed in school, my junior high 
Pastor Nathan came and debated one of our science teachers on evolution back in that, admittedly that was in the 70s, but <clears throat> I grew up in a Christian welcoming culture mm -hmm. and it changed kind of quietly but profoundly mm -hmm. and maybe not so quietly, I, but it's, and I think part of our discussion today is my generation and older are just kind of aghast. Right. Like, we turned our back for one moment, <laughs> and everything changed, and we don't know why, and there's a there's a intuitive kind of stomp your foot and get with the program, mm. which is just silly mm. and offensive to the generation that has learned differently, mm. right. um, which probably will lead into some of the barbed wire that we're gonna talk about in a little bit, so. Yeah. Now, Julie, you mm. are just a wee bit not 31. Right. Well, just a wee bit behind you. But, okay, <laughs> well, yes, let's say that. child of the 65, something yeah, like that? Yeah, 52. Okay, yes. well, I have sweaters that are bit. older than you. <laughs> but you have a young girl. Who is 13. Growing up yes. in this culture. What is your Literally. What are your observations of the differences uh, between now? I can wow. add you into my generation. So, yeah, similar to you growing up, everything, the Bible was what everybody read, what we all embraced, the truth was very clear, and that's what we relied on. Clearly, that is not what my daughter thinks, and that generation doesn't at all. Um, and in fact, if we question or ask things of her or of that generation that might impose our beliefs, it's almost hurtful to her that we're not agreeing with her or thinking the way she mm -hmm. thinks. Well, that's interesting. Disrespectful. Because if you can't have a discussion without somebody's feelings being hurt, mm -hmm. you can't, this is going to seem deep and poetic, you can't have a discussion. Mm -hmm. Right. And So there's great disconnect. Yeah. And now we don't want to try to impose a discussion in a, overly authoritative way, but right. it the, some of the onus is on these younger generations to, yes. well, let me let me just listen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they don't hate me because they disagree with me. On, and, right. and, and that has been taught, too, right. that if I disagree with you, I'm a hater. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. exactly. And, and mm -hmm. You can't have discourse right. under those conditions. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's... We're not free to disagree... Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And then the grizzled Nathan Kosurik, you are with this group mm -hmm. constantly, and yeah. you have been for 20 years. What are your observations? Yeah, watching this, uh, this group grow up, I, I mm -hmm. remember being a, a young youth pastor. Mm -hmm. I remember that. And mm -hmm. the things that the experts were telling us in those days based on Barna research, mm -hmm. various things, is that we were headed to a cultural mm -hmm. landslide mm -hmm. that based on surveys, different types of data, maybe uh, we were looking at a generation, back then they were, they were what we now know as the millennial generation, were going to be about 5% uh, Bible-believing followers of Christ. Mm -hmm. And 
that was a radical call to action, mm -hmm. right? And so... What was the suggested action? The, suggesti <laughs> the suggest suggested action was to entertain them better mm -hmm. to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So big uh, events, <laughs> mm -hmm. as famous and fast as possible, uh, to attract a crowd mm -hmm. and then sift from the crowd mm -hmm. those who were preordained for salvation, according to our Calvinist or, or theology. In, infect them when they weren't paying attention with, <laughs> Something with like the that. gospel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that was the strategy. And what I've observed mm -hmm. over the course of these two decades is um, not so much hostility mm -hmm. toward the idea of God. You know, uh, certainly there is a willingness to... Uh, live and let live kind of thing. Sure. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, you know, mm -hmm. if if God works for you, then whatever your truth mm -hmm. is, then mm -hmm. by all means, just enjoy it. But almost uh, universally, even among students who have grown up in church and Christian families, church mm -hmm. is bad. A lot of young people are de-churched because of some hurtful, mm -hmm. wounded mm -hmm. experience, mm -hmm. and, and young people have concluded, mm -hmm. based on the abuse of, of power and authority, that leaders are liars, mm -hmm. they're untrustworthy, and the people who gather in these institutions are either naive or mm -hmm. extremely closed-minded and exclusive. Mm -hmm. How does that feel? Um, yeah, no, I've, I've seen all of that, and it makes it very, thus the impasse. Mm -hmm. yeah. the, my, my dad's generation mm -hmm. wants to talk about truth. Yeah. Like, sit down and just take it. Yeah. I'm going to tell you the way it, it is. Mm -hmm. And I guess they, that's how they received it, and they just assumed it was true, and they just needed to kind of try a little harder. And, yeah. um but I, I have thought of the previous Christian generations. I have no statistics to support this, but I suspect in the 40s and then the 50s, there were probably not more genuinely born-again Christians than there are now. There were far more people who were hypocritically behaving like Christians because it helped them get jobs. Mm -hmm. It helped them not be shunned. It, you know, socially, it, it just worked for them for other reasons. Exactly. And so they just kind of went right. along. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the motivation wasn't pure. And right, right. we couldn't yeah. ever tell who they were, mm -hmm. which was terrible. Mm -hmm. Well, they're not doing that mm -mm. any longer, which I would have to say that's, that's a good thing. I don't want covert people, you know, pretending like they believe, because I... I want to be able to reach the people who don't believe and talk to them in a meaningful way that they w would be willing to listen to. But if I can't find them, if I don't know who they are, if they don't know who they are, mm -hmm. that's, that's tragic mm -hmm. theologically. That's tragic in a Christian sense. And so I, I think, I'm, I'm convinced, 
in this new landscape, though it is very different and, and somewhat alarming mm -hmm. for, for us mm -hmm. and perhaps even for the... Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. to be a group that yeah. doesn't have as many... Um, thinking of a boat metaphor here, as many lines to the shore, th that's not a good feeling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The unknown is uncomfortable. How yeah. do we gauge yeah. if, there, if there is no truth, mm -hmm. that works for you when you're 17 because mm -hmm. you just want to do whatever you darn well want to do. And mm -hmm. that's, I love that philosophy. Well, when you're building a bridge, we all want truth mm -hmm. factored into that. And in fact, just life becomes rather meaningless right. and and that's a terrible condition mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but we can't just throw them the lines the the metaphorical rope lines that used to work because they're they don't they either don't work or they're genuinely offensive mm -hmm. and we need to be thinking not how to get them to behave mm -hmm. the way we you know used to or mm -hmm. Because who cares right. Right. about that? Right. What's important is how do we introduce mm -hmm. this new these new groups? Because there's and and we used to talk about that you know I'm a child of the '60s. I'm a child of the '70s. Right. It's got to be like in two and a half year groups now because they're <laughs> they're different. Mm -hmm. Ten years is too much to identify a group anymore. Right. Hmm. The technology's changing, and so we have to be thinking. Whatever we're doing, we need to be limbered up and do it a little differently perhaps next year. Mm -hmm. And churches are not famous for quick change, changing things, yep. mm -hmm. you know, on the dime. Yep. Um, yep. What, I will just kind of, because it's a lovely little pattern, we'll go back to Sarah. <laughs> what, what do you, and I, I'm asking you to speak for, now that I've just said probably two and a half years as a group, and there's probably now 10 groups that we're asking you to speak for, yeah. but what is your group? What is your demographic? What do they fear? Mm. Well, just like we're talking about, there's this crippling fear of offending people mm. nowadays, not wanting to, as believers even, just engaging someone with the gospel who might be gay because that might be offensive. Mm -hmm. And granted, mm. you know, we have, I look at it from, you know, that person's perspective, from the unchurched person's perspective, that, you know, the church hasn't done the best job. We have, <laughs> we have earned our reputation. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, some of the things that I've heard Christians say mm -hmm. to gay people sure. or non-believers, mm -hmm. um, we haven't always been the best witness. So mm -hmm. I understand why there is a distrust with unchurched people. Mm -hmm. um, but I just know that even for believers, there is just this, it is like a... a, a disabling fear that I'm going to offend somebody, I'm going to hurt their feelings. It's like we're, we're putting their feelings above their salvation, mm -hmm. which is really scary and very backwards, obviously. So it is disconcerting to see that even, like I said, in the church, like the most important thing to us is being woke. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like it's not about really sharing the gospel. It's just about being nice now. And when we're not seen as nice, we feel like, well, we're not going to be, we're not going to be a good witness. But there are other, you don't have to, you can be nice without just affirming everything that person is doing. Mm -hmm. You don't, and the thing is, you don't have to, you don't evangelize by saying, you're gay, that's wrong, let me tell you it's right. You right. don't do that. Because, well, Jesus never did that. Exactly. 
Jesus was kind to people and he brought people into his circle and got to know them and show them that he loved them first before he was, you know, talking about the way they were living or anything like that. So, yeah, I think that that really is the biggest hindrance to my generation is just this this fear that I'm not going to be liked if I if I have a stance, if I have an opinion that might go against popular opinion. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really holding us back as far as spreading the gospel, even just in our own communities. So the fear is not being accepted. Yeah. Is that? Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Being like a religious bigot, Mm. being branded in that way is really hard. I mean, I remember when I was at UNT, I was, I was in class and I brought some Chick-fil-A in, you know, I was just, I was in a hurry. I was getting to class, everything I was eating. This girl in front of me, Mm. who I think, I think she was a lesbian. She turned around and said, you're eating hate chicken. I, I said, well, I, I didn't even get it at first. I said, yeah, it's God's hate chicken. chicken. What are you talking about? Chick-fil-A hates gay people, and you're, you're supporting them because you just bought Chick-fil-A. I said, well, I don't hate gay people. I said, I, I, I have an aunt who's a lesbian. I don't hate her. And she said, well, why, w- why would you support a business like that that hates gay people? Hmm. I said, well, I don't think they hate gay people. They just have a different position. But that's just it. Like, even if you support a business that might have Christian views, that's seen as hateful. So it is. It's scary. You, you don't want to be branded as a hateful person, obviously. Mm, no. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I, I think just, I don't know if it's the layer beneath that, but mm-hmm. a layer underneath all of that is then I have to, if I'm in one of these groups, mm-hmm. I have to not hold a lot of positions. Right. Which... When I'm alone, I may not know what I think mm-hmm. about anything. Right. And that's a terrible condition to be in. Yeah, what absolutely. do I feel about anything? Well, mm-hmm. um, I think every I think you have to say well, whatever works f- for everyone else. Mm-hmm. But but then you don't you don't know who you are. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's not fair because if you're listening mm-hmm. to other people's opinions and allowing them to speak their beliefs, they should do you the respect of allowing you to share your beliefs with them as long as you're respectful. So that's that's hard. That's, I think, putting too much pressure on yourself that you just always need to clam up and listen to how other people feel and never never be allowed to speak your mind. That's just not fair. That's not. Have you seen that in the even younger kids, Julie? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That was the thought um, that came to me is acceptance. Mm-hmm. Middle schoolers want to be accepted. And it's hard for them to find a space, a safe space, where they're accepted. As they walk through figuring out, yes, here's where God is, but here's where all the people that I'm around are. Mm -hmm. Because we're public school people. And so we believe this way. And then how does that fit into the way my public school friends look at all of that? Or then even within the church, who are people that are really dogmatic. Mm-hmm. So how does my belief system in following Jesus fit into all these different spaces? I, I think the being able to be with someone that you disagree with mm-hmm. is a lost art. Yes. Right, yeah. And I, I think it was... Um, Oh, I can't remember the old British guy that I was listening to. Um, 
was talking about back in his day, and he's mm-hmm. probably my dad's generation. They would, I mean, they would take classes on debate. They would, they yeah. would go to the pub, right, in order to sit around and argue, right, hmm. right, and that was entertainment, right, and they would buy each other another pint mm-hmm. after they were done, because it was understood, right. You're my friend when right. we start. Right. You're my friend when we're done. Mm-hmm. And wow, you, uh, I'm going to have to think about a couple of those things that you said, as opposed to I cannot be wrong right. on anything. And if you tell me I'm wrong, I have to either defeat you or leave. Mm-hmm. And there's, I don't know, our, our, our audience um, is significantly a parenting pathway Mm -hmm. our parents and it would be a great exercise even around the dinner table to to practice Mm -hmm. that's a great idea Mm -hmm. talking and i i have a friend and i I may have mentioned this in a previous podcast but I, i had a friend back in california and she her it was a metaphor really for her but what she wanted she was wanting to prepare her her two boys i believe to go to um, a central California liberal university. Mm -hmm. And she just wanted them to be prepared. Now, she didn't really care if they went there, but that was kind of the... Mm -hmm. So she wanted them to be ready for that. So they would be sitting around eating spaghetti or whatever, and she'd say, okay, fellas, um, I want to go use all kinds of drugs as long as I don't get arrested or kicked out of school. Mm. What do you got? I'm like, Mom, can we just have dinner? <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Come on. Get your, get your gloves up. You think about this now. What would you say? And she would practice with them. And they would have to, well, no, that's not a great plan because, and then they would, and she would say, well, and she'd, like, combat mm-hmm. with, like, you know, big puffy gloves kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I don't think that's a good enough argument. Mm-hmm. If I was your age, I would just say, well, I don't care about the Bible. I don't think the Bible is true. You can't use the Bible in this argument. And I, I have seen Christians like, well, if you can't use scripture, then I'm out. Well, we're trying to rescue people. Right. We're not trying to get them to think what I think. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, we're going to have to just pause here for today. This was perhaps a little disruptive to hear how we, the church, are viewed with suspicion and discomfort from these younger generations. But there is plenty of good news ahead, and we will get to that on our part two of Modern Expectations for the Church. Thanks for being with us again on the Parenting Pathway podcast. This is Pastor Dave Carl to remind you, don't do parenting and don't do life alone.